Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Conflict and Resolution uh, Workshop sponsored by the Leadership Committee. And this is Sheila Young, the Zoom host for the evening. The uh, commands to raise your hand will be Alt-Y on the PC. They will be command or option. No. Yeah. Yes. Option Y on the Mac. I don't use the Mac. Um, they are star nine if you're calling in on a lot on the landline and they are a phone. And then they are in the lower right corner of a of an iPhone where you do more options and then raise hand. So I would like to turn the program over to Doug Powell. So and, Doug. And Sheila, this is Julie. I'm going to introduce Julie. Doug real yeah. quickly already. Thank you so much. Um, this is Julie Brannon with this wonderful conflict resolution committee on board. And again, I'd just like to announce the people on this segment of the committee. Doug Powell, who will be teaching and sharing tonight. Sarah Conrad. And then with us tonight, Jeff Tom and Sheila Young. So thank you all. This is a continuation. As you know, last time we talked about personality. We went in fairly in depth about what each personality handles conflict like and how you work with them. We're going to go up the ladder. I consider it just kind of moving up the rungs of a ladder of conflict resolution. And tonight, Doug is going to share when not, oh, I can't remember it, Doug, when not getting along. When, you, when jumping to conclusions. Conclusions, get you hot water. You yep. Yes, there we go. Gotcha. <laughs> so Doug's going to help us understand what our pre-thoughts, how they get us in trouble. Thank you, Doug. Go ahead. Thank you, Julie. Uh, good evening, everybody. Um, I'm not used to doing Zoom presentations. Um, I'm more. I, I'm much more used to doing in person, where I get feedback from the uh, from the participants. And so this is going to be feel a little different to me, and, and probably to you as well. Um, I'm going to try and give you some information. Try to use examples to make it real for you. And then um, we should have some time. I'm going to really make an effort to make sure that I get done so that there's time for questions and answers. Um, so, so when conflict, so um, one aspect of conflict resolution is taking a look at how we uh, jump to conclusions or make assumptions. You know, everybody says, uh, you know, you know the adage about uh, assumptions. Uh, uh, you know, when you assume it makes asses of you and me. Well, that's true. And, um, but the point is, how do we, we, we can't stop making those assumptions because our minds are built to uh, assume, to uh, conclude, and, and that kind of thing. And the ladder of inference that I'm going to be talking about tonight is a model that was developed in the 50s uh, to explain that process. So I'm going to review that model for uh, and and um, you know for those of you who were at the convention, we talked about this before, but I, I think it bears reviewing. Um, also, it it's on the document that I um, uh, that I sent along with uh, the invitation to this. Um, if you got a chance to take a look at it, that's great. Um, we also have the, the same document up on the leadership training webpage of acb.org. So you go to about us 
on the main page, and then you go to um, uh, committees and task forces. And on that page, you go to leadership training, and that will get you to our web page. And that document should be there. Uh, I think Kelly put it up uh, yesterday or today. So, <clears throat> but yeah, look, going over the material this afternoon, I realized that I'm missing an element that uh, I've always been missing. And, and uh, um, all of a sudden, I realized that, that, that it's a part of it. But anyway, so it's going to have to be changed. So we'll, we'll discover that as we go along. Um, so the mind likes patterns. You know, we, we, that's how we uh, develop our concept of the world and our place in it. Um, from the time we were born, we try to stay, understand the world by um, making assumptions and drawing conclusions from our interactions with the, outside, you know, with the environment outside of us. Um, when a situation comes up, we look at a, you know, we look in our memories to find a situation that was similar and decide whether, you know, if it was successful, then we, um, then we do the same thing. Um, and uh, if we don't, if we don't have a successful um, you know, predecessor, then, then we have to develop new ways of looking at things. But, um, once we've made our habits, once we've made those patterns, they become habits or beliefs and that kind of thing. And they become more and more difficult to change. So, um, so let's, let's talk about the specifics of how the mind makes those patterns. So rung one is select data. There's a bunch of stuff that you know is happening all at the same time, all around us, all the time. So what we do is we select the data that we think is most important to us at the moment. And I don't know if you've noticed, but when you know when you're angry, uh, your focus narrows down so that you're just listening. You know, you're just uh, reacting out of one, you know, one really piece of data that's made you angry. So um, one of the things that we notice, you know, we need to notice is when we're angry to try to open up our focus so that we can take in more data. Um, so the second rung is you add meaning. So you analyze, you infer, you um, interpret, and you, we come to, you know, we make habits and beliefs out of this data. So we, we uh, for example... Oh yeah, what we come up with may may not be the truth, but it becomes the truth for us. For you know, for example, um, how do you how how did you become affiliated with the political party that you, you that you uh, identify with? Um, probably our families and friends had some leanings in some direction, and we may have reacted either positively or negatively to our you know to what our parents and our friends did. And so we develop ideas about uh, which politi you know, what party um, we we identify with, or uh, you know how uh, how they've come up with um, reactions on, of how situations in our lives and communities have affected us. And so we make decisions about whether that was good or bad, and and who was you know who who made those uh, changes, and and so you know we assign value to one one party or another uh so you see we you know we've selected the data we've looked at what you know people do we we've uh assigned meaning to it we've uh we've uh, and and then we uh move on to conclude how we're going to act and then we act and we evaluate and that kind of thing but we're, it's all out of what we selected the data and how we added meaning to it um and and some of the uh 
some of the conclusions we draw is out of the success we've had in terms of, you know, whether we feel good about what we've talked about, you know, our position in a, in a particular situation and how our family reacts to it and that kind of thing. So that gives you an idea of how you add meaning and start to make beliefs out of, out of the data that, w- that we've taken in. Run three is draw conclusions. So once we've, uh, had, once we've had uh, some of these ladders develop in our minds, we have memories of how we, you know, how we acted in the past and what was successful. So we draw conclusions uh, about a situation from the, the data that we've selected and the meaning that we've added to it either this time or in previous times, and, and we draw conclusions on, our, on the perceived situation. So this is a new situation, and it's what we perceive as it relates to our past. So perceiving is something that we do. It may not be accurate, but it's, it's what we have perceived, what, we have, you know, what we've identified. Um, now, the, uh, so the fourth rung is we act, okay? And then uh, the, the, the rung that's missing is that rung five, which is that we evaluate how our action was, uh, whether it was successful or not, whether it, um, you know, whether it was, uh, uh, whether we feel good about it, um, you know, if it was, it, as I said, if it was successful, if it wasn't successful, we can either choose to examine our assumptions or we can blame the other person <laughs> uh, or, you know, just say, well, I'm never going to do that again, kind of a thing. So that's our sort of evaluation after, you know, our after action report. So those are the rungs of the ladder, uh, and we develop the, all of these patterns and you know these habits and that kind of thing out of our past experiences. So um, I'm going to ask my uh, my fellow my colleagues here: uh, Is this clear? Is there anything that needs uh, any more clarification out of that? I think it's clear, um, Doug. This is Julian. I've just got a question: Do you think these rungs are always? In this order, I wonder, or do we go back and forth, up and down the ladder from one rung to another? Well, I think as part of the evaluation process, hopefully, um, if we're open to it, we can take a look. You know, if a, if a ladder, if a um, yeah, if a reaction, if an action was unsuccessful, mm-hmm. you know, that's where we create conflict. You know, that maybe that's where conflict showed up, and um, so then we, if we're, you know, hopefully, we can take a look at our assumptions. And even voice our assumptions mm-hmm. and come to some clarity on whether those assumptions were correct or not. Mm-hmm. Which is a point that you've noted here in how to resolve the conflict. So, yeah. right, right, yeah. right, exactly. And this is so, Jeff. Would it sure. would it not be a correct statement to say that one's personality type, which is oh, what yes. you know, <laughs> Julie went into before, has an impact on the way we you know, work these different rungs. I, I certainly think that there are I some, yeah, so. there are some um, personality types that will, yes, they will react differently to how the, how these rungs work. And, and, you know, they're um, yeah. Yes. I agree with that. Yes. If we're more analytical or less analytical, for exactly. example. Then, you know. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And I have another example that may uh, hopefully hits close to home for people on um, examining the, the rungs of a particular situation from both uh, sides of the coin. So uh, I would assume that probably everyone has uh, 
at some point in their in their lives as a blind person walked up to somebody and said, can you give me the directions to the restrooms, for example, if you're in an airport or something like that, and you give, you know, you ask directions to the, to the restroom, and what do they say? It's over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> so, um, so why do they say that? You know? So let's, let's examine the rungs of the ladder as to where they, you know, how they came to the conclusion that saying over there was okay for a blind person. So they selected the data, okay? They saw you, you know, they react, you know, they stopped and, and when you asked them for directions. And, um, but maybe they didn't select the data that you had a cane in your hand or a dog, you know, you had a dog on a leash or um, that you had some other outside uh, sign that you were visually impaired. Um, or if they saw it, they had no meaning for it. They had not, um, they had not met a blind person before, um, or, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, or they may have been in such a hurry that all they could muster was an over, you know, was an, a, 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 an immediate reaction and trying to get it done and, and get, you know, if they're late for their plane, <laughs> They're not going to spend five minutes taking you to the restroom. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it may be a, been a function of they had uh, more important things to worry about. So they made the best, you know, made the best action that they could under the circumstances. Any other ideas on how th that person may have uh, had their rungs of the ladder um, uh, situated, you know, you know, past experiences? Okay. So now let's take a look at it from your standpoint. Um, you know, you select the data that this person, uh, hasn't answered your question. Um, and you've added meaning that perhaps they're an ignoramus, <laughs> you know, since you can't see, you know, since you can't see what their, you know, what their, um, uh, you know, nonverbal communication is, whether they're running through the airport to get to their plane or whether they're, uh, they don't see that you have a cane or a, or a dog, you know, on, on, on your hand um, or, you know, all those kinds of things. You don't see that. So all you know is that you've been told, you know, uh, uh, not useful information. And so you add meaning to that, that whatever meaning you've added from your past experiences in this situation, you draw the conclusion, you know, that. They need to be wake, you know, they need to be awakened, you know, they need to wake up. So um, perhaps you yell at them or, or uh, you know, pound your stick or, you know, to draw attention to it or, you know, some other uh, action that may or may not be useful. Um, or, you could, you know, you could, obviously you can say, oh, well, that doesn't that's not really useful to me. Can you actually take me over there or, you know, give me some other kinds of directions? Um, you know, all those are at your disposal. And sometimes we do the nice way and sometimes we're a great ambassador for blind people and other times we're just upset and have to go to the bathroom and, you know, and, and, and react. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so some, are, are you get, does this is a good example? Is it, are you getting the sense of how those ladders of inference govern our, our actions? Is this open for everyone to answer, Doug, or just for your panel? Um, well, yeah, sure. Let's take a minute. Sure. Let's, uh, Sheila, let's, you know, see if we raise hands and see if there are any questions. Okay. Annie, you may unmute. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yes. 
I really appreciate this lesson. And actually, I think I could have used it the other day because <laughs> I um, and I, I hate to I honestly hate to bring this up again, but um, it was it had to do with an experience. So I was um, out to dinner the other night and I noticed that someone um, I was just kind of. Uh, so I ordered like th- myself and a couple of the same thing, ordered the same dish. And I heard the server tell me that the plate was really hot. And given past experiences, I thought, okay, well, I, that's interesting. I didn't hear him say that to anyone else. I don't know what kind of visual. Uh, oh, what? Go ahead. I don't know what kind of visual cues he was giving the others to let them know that it was hot. Um, and I was thinking, oh, crap, they're, he's singling me out again. That was that was my inference based on mm-hmm. ex- what I might have experienced in the past and times when I yeah. have spoken. up. Good. Um, is that sort of what you're getting at? Is, is this in line with what you're? Absolutely. Thinking? Absolutely. And um, um, the opportunity there. The, the one thing that I didn't didn't express from the um, you know from that example of uh, giving directions is that once we've uh, once we've reacted you know if we've reacted uh, less than perfectly for, for you know from our standpoint you know if we've yelled at them or pounded you know you know expressed our frustration <laughs> um, what is what is the evaluation that's going to happen in the sighted person's ladder of you know ladder of inference for this kind of a situation well the evaluation might have been well this is what i this is what i tell everyone and the, everybody else can see so i was giving f- uh, visual cues could have been right right could have been i have no idea right but that after after you've yelled at them what are they going to what are they going to decide about the next time a, a blind person comes along um we're we better be careful um, Better well, be I careful or, or avoid the situation altogether, right? To be honest, I didn't <laughs> yell at them pers- for right. sec- personally. I ranted about it on Facebook in such a way that made it uh, seem like I had an aversion to servers who would tell blind people. Uh, that's like, oh my gosh, do not, don't state, state the obvious to the blind person. See, I didn't realize uh, what was going on. And I honestly uh, made the situation out to be much, much worse than it actually was. Gotcha. 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 And so, um, so, uh, so I think, so what you're doing now is evaluating, you know, that last rung of the ladder, you're evaluating that situation and realizing that you could have done a better job and, and you, you made some assumptions that, um, weren't necessarily true and, uh, may have, you know, and, and by putting it up on Facebook may have influenced other people to, um, you know, to not to to not be as as diplomatic as they might be in the future, right? Yeah, I mean, it was. Well, I made it out to be a mess. Yes, <laughs> right. And, right. And Doug, this is Julie. Can I share something? I just <laughs> of in Please. regard to your Anne situation, Anne, and jumping to conclusion part of everything. I think so often for me, so many of those things happen. I've been told that many a time when I'm the only blind person and the rest of the crowd is sighted. And I'm told like the clock on my plate, I don't really care where things are on my plate, I'll find them. Or I'm told the plate is hot. We do tend to jump to conclusions. Oh dear, here we go. Feeling patronized again, I think. And I bet that's what happened to you. Am I right? That it's yeah, not exactly. Yeah. Yes. And it's not so much the the fact that they gave a warning. It was more like, oh God, here we go again. That's I'm exactly the only blind person, yeah. and I didn't hear them say that to anybody else. What's right. you know? It's how am I? Experiences get piled up. 
Yes. And it's interesting because we all have different ladders of inference given that kind of a situation. Because right. my first reaction would be, well, this guy is, or this server is actually has noticed that I can't see, noticed that I'm I'm blind or visually impaired, and has taken special, right. Um, right. you know, taken special uh, notice and ha- has taken the, you know, tried to, you know, make sure that I didn't hurt myself. Yeah. Then my question is, why it, can't he do that for everyone else? Well, he, <laughs> maybe he, that plates he, weren't hot. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, yeah, what you ordered may have come on a hotter plate than most other people's <laughs> Who plates, knows? So. <laughs> Who knows? That's right. This is getting but to we, be quite a hot topic. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But we do jump to co- those two kinds of pollutions, though, don't we? We do with past experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that's a great example. Thanks, Anne. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Thank you, Annie. Regina. Glad I could provide you some entertainment, Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, you may unmute. I mean, Regina, I'm sorry. Regina. Okay. So (laughs) along the same lines, I've heard sighted people say, well, now I'm not going to help any blind people, which now they've jumped to a conclusion. That's right. And so that's what happens in these situations as well. You may jump to a conclusion and then the other person does, and that's when it gets heated. Correct. Expression. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. And we'll, we'll talk about what to do, and you know, when that happens. But so that, so hopefully, it doesn't happen or it doesn't get too far. Okay. Rebecca? Anybody else? Yeah. Anybody else you, you got yeah, several. Go How many do you want to take? Uh, one or two more. All right, Rebecca, you may unmute. Hello. Um, Hello. Oh shoot! I'm still at Rebecca. Rebecca. You um, are. <laughs> darn it. And I just, I, they made me put in my email address and my name and it still came up as Rebecca, Rebecca. Anyways, um, to the inferences and stuff, I'll just infer that Zoom hates me. <laughs> but um, anyways, um, do you think in this day and age with ev- so much communication being done via email, text, Facebook, and whatnot, where people cannot hear the inflection of voices and stuff, that it is a lot easier to draw. Take that out there. I think Jeff to To draw conclusions and... Yeah, based on an email, because, I mean, there's been plenty of times where, you know, I'm on an email list and someone writes something and I'm talking with someone else and they're like oh he or she said blah blah I can't believe that you know wasn't that rude and I'm like I didn't take it that way I thought they were joking or whatever do you think that could be with everything being so you know communication that way that that can lead to a bigger issue with conclusion instances this is Jeff and I um, will weigh in. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Rebecca. I have many a time written an email and thought about what I wrote and taken it back because there are times when you just let your emotions and your reactions, that last rung of the ladder, get to you. And there are a lot of reasons why sometimes you do not want those initial, those instinctual reactions to govern 
what you do. When you're face-to-face with somebody, you are more often than not somewhat more inhibited about what you do. And so email, text messaging, things like that present dangers. They also give you the chance, though, to take a look at what you're doing and to, and to dial it back and maybe have a better reaction than you might otherwise have been. So it, it can be a mixed bag, I guess. And, and right. the same the same way with uh, with verbal communication, because, you know, uh, so I, I was going along the lines of uh, it's very hard to express humor in an email and that it can be taken for, you know, it, it, sarcasm is even harder, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that's that's where you get people saying, did he really say that? You know, and, and uh, when really it was a joke. Um but also, you know, when somebody delivers a joke deadpan, sometimes you think they're actually say- they mean what they're saying as opposed to sarcasm also. So it's, you know, I, I think it hap- it can happen both ways, but um, certainly it- it's something to look out for when you're, um, you know, when you're communicating either verbally or, or uh, written communication, um, you know, make sure, make sure people know that you're, you're being humorous. I think, you know, one of the, one of the people I, I've been in communication with used to put JK in parentheses after something that was outrageous, but was also a joke. Right. Just kidding. Just yeah. kidding yeah. You know, so, so we made sure that people knew that he was, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was, he was going over the top. Right. But I do, I guess my point too, is that how some people with, even when they're just reading emails or Facebook or whatever, that, you know, it's easier to infer things sometimes than hearing someone's voice. Of course, you can always True. infer stuff, even with people's voices, <laughs> you yes. know, uh-huh. yes. especially like you said, with the deadpan humor. You know? Right. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. And, and people, yeah, people definitely have, I mean, you know, they have what they bring to that table, what they bring to that email is, you know, each of us brings something individual to that email. In terms right. of uh, you know, in terms of past experiences and stuff to 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 um, use as our uh, as our uh, you know ladder you know pa- of past experience. Right. Okay. Thank you. All right, Doug. Sure, you want to take Rebecca. one more? Um, yes. All right, Jane. You may unmute. Jane. Jane, are you there? You may unmute. Oh, there you are. Are there now? Yeah. I had to un- try three times to unmute. When it's I'm- okay. We anyway, got you. The person, uh, Annie, when she was talking about the plate, um, sometimes I've had somebody say that to me, and it's because there's steam coming off the plate. My friends see it. I don't. So, you know, if I mean, sometimes it's, it's so hot you can feel the heat, but, yeah, you know, well. there's plenty of times when you um, would probably burn yourself if you touched the plate, you know, wrong. But anyway, the other thing I was going to say was um, a couple of years ago, I had um, two knee replacements at different times. And the second, the first time I went, they saw something, I had to go to a cardiologist. So when I went the second time, the doctor said I had to have these shots, you know, to make sure I didn't get blood clots and stuff. And so the last nurse I had was somebody from, I don't know, Burma or some other country. And he, um, he started telling me how I was going to have to take these shots. And I said, I'm not. I'll take the the strong aspirin when I get home. I, I'll know if I have a blood clot. I'm not taking those shots. And then he started talking to my friend who was there to bring me home. 
And he started going on to her about how I had to take these shots. And he went on and on and on. And I finally said, look it, she's not going to be there. So don't be telling her what I'm going to have to do and what I'm not going to have to do because she's not going to be there. And even if you tell her I have to do it, doesn't mean I'm going to do it. And I didn't, you know, where they maybe go for the blood clot tests and everything. And I didn't have one, but sometimes I find that I, I hate that when people do that and you just have to speak up and, and, and just tell them, you know, don't bother telling my friend or my mother or whoever it is, because I'm not doing it because they say it. I'm not doing it because you say it. <laughs> yeah. right. Self-advocacy, right? But the other, I mean, the other side of it, Gene, is to make sure that um, uh, what, what I try to do is I try to make sure that I'm standing my ground, but uh, not, you know, not um, not alienating the other person if I, if I possibly can avoid it. Well, so do I. Uh, yeah. I try not to, but this guy yeah. was just impossible. And, yeah. you know, yep. there I, and are knew, folks like that. Yep. I knew right from the, when the nurse, the night nurse woke me up and told me this guy was going to be my nurse. And he started, I could tell from the questions he was asking him about me that he was going to be trouble. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you yeah. were making all sorts of assumptions, assumptions and jumping to all sorts of conclusions. <laughs> and right? they were also, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, James. No, I try to be nice to other people when I, you know, and I might even use humor to do it because I would never want somebody not to help somebody else because of something I did or said. Sure. Great. Thank you, Jane. Have a good one. All right. Thanks. Let's move on to, okay, now we've gotten ourselves in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What what do we do when there's conflict? So well, well, okay. We we sort of before we get there, I just want to reiterate. Uh, you know, there are a couple of places where we can sort of avoid conflict, and one is uh, we think before we act. I think Jeff, you know, sort of alluded, alluded to that pretty well. Um, and I, I usually give the example of you know how when a baby is learning to walk, sometimes they'll you know plop down on their butts and um, they look up to us before they decide whether they're going to laugh or cry. So if, you know, when they plop down on their butts and they look up for that split second, if you go, oh, poor baby and stuff like that, they're going to cry. Or if you look, you know, if you look at them and say, oops, fell down, let's get up and try it again. You know, they'll smile and get up and, and you know, go for it. So um, we, can, we all have that opportunity. There's always that split second between... Um, between what we think we want to do and the and what we actually do that we can take a look and try to decide whether that action is going to be successful or not so that's one one way of avoiding conflict or we can examine our our assumptions and conclusions either um you know if we're if we're trying to um you know uh respond to an email, for example, we may take some time and examine our, our assumptions and conclusions about this person and about this situation, decide whether, you know, it's appropriate, you know, our, our what we're thinking of writing is, is appropriate or not. Uh, other times, you know, in the blink of an eye, you know, you go from the, the data to the action um, and, and, you know, and, and evaluation be damned. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, but if we can stop and examine our assumptions and 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 our, our conclusions uh, before we act, uh, sometimes we can keep ourselves from getting stay, getting into trouble, landing in that hot water. So what? But the other, the next question is, what happens if you don't clean up things 
right away. Um, I had a situation that, um, uh, that I got brought into that, uh, um, I, I was asked to come in and see if I could clean up a mess in a, in a local chapter that was very fractious at the moment. Um, and, um, it, um, imperfect communication led to assumptions and conclusions that may or may not have been right, which led to mistrust between the two, between the, the parties, which led to resignations. Mm-hmm. So this has a real, uh, you know, if we don't, if we don't try to clean up our, our conflicts quickly, um, we can, we can lose people. And so as a, as an organ, as a membership organization, we need to be really cognizant of, uh, not sweeping things under the rug, not, uh, you know, not trying to, um, make light of them, but really try, you know, t- it takes courage to confront, um, a conflict, but I think in the long run, uh, you know, we can, we can save a lot of, um, anguish, time, effort, and, um, and hopefully, uh, you know, relationships by actually take, making the effort to, to try to, uh, resolve the conflict. Mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. So, And Doug, this is Julie. I'd just like to say one thing because it relates to personality again. Many personality types tend to be quote-unquote conflict avoidant, and that's why I think it's so valuable for every person to assess yourself. If you have a tendency to, you know, if you don't, if you ignore it, it might go away. That's conflict avoidant, right? <laughs> or push right. it under the egg. So very important to be self-aware, especially when you're in a leadership role. Yeah. Yeah, as Jeff said, you know, some some personality types are more prone to that than others, but yep. we can all try yep. to make the effort. That's right. Good. So, what are some of the tips that we can use to um, to uh, diffuse uh, conflict? So, one of the important ones that I, I know that we didn't use in the situation that I just talked about was a one-on-one discussion. Mm-hmm. or either one-on-one or maybe a third person as a mediator, you know, a, 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 you know, a, a disinterested party to be a mediator. But, it, you know, it, it doesn't work usually very well uh, if there are, you know, factions already that it doesn't work to try to resolve conflict in a crowd. Right. Two is acknowledge the point of conflict. So that, you know, we, we're, we're identifying the conversation that we want to have. We're being specific about that because saying, look, I don't like the way you're running things is not really useful, but um, you know, you're not, you're not running the meetings by, by Robert's rules of order. I don't think um, is another, you know, is a more specific area that can be attacked you know, that can be resolved, not attacked, but you know, can be a resolved. Um, So, and see if you can agree to stay open to the other person's point of view. Because our tendency, you know, especially when somebody is, is uh, some frustrated or angry with us, you know, when they start telling us what they think is wrong, we start to get defensive. And so if we can avoid getting defensive, but actually take a look at what they're saying, um, perhaps that, that will help us um, in formulating a response or examining our assumptions or uh, telling them how they've drawn the wrong conclusion or, or made the wrong assumption. Um, but we need to listen and try to stay open. Use I statements. So 
I'm not sure how familiar people are with I statements. And I, I'll tell you, I've, I've, I've worked on those in, um, in um, uh, modules before, and they're not easy. I statements are more difficult to, to formulate than, than you think. What, what we're trying to do with an I statement is take responsibility for our emotions express the area that we have the conflict in and what we what we perceived and then say how it affected us we don't it's not useful to say well you did this and i you know and i felt that and you shouldn't have done that or you know something along those lines so what we're trying to do is we're trying to take responsibility for our emotional uh uh you know our emotions and and our point of view but express it in a way of opening up a conversation and seeing where we can, uh, seeing where the actual difference of opinion uh, occurred. So I noticed, uh, you know, I'm frustrated because I noticed that such and such, and that made me feel like such and such is, you know, is the basis of an I statement. And then the other person can take that opportunity and say, well, uh, I'm sorry you feel frustrated here's what I was trying to accomplish. This is what the facts are. And, um, I hope, you know, uh, you know what, you know, and that, and this is what I was trying to accomplish it, but this is what I was trying to accomplish by expressing it that way, something along those lines. And then you have the basis for a conversation going back and forth and examining where people, you know, where the conflict actually is and whether they can, whether it can be resolved. Um, does that make sense to people? Do, do you, uh, do colleagues, do, I, do you have any clarifications or questions about, about that concept? Well, I statements really take on ownership, and that's where you eliminate a tremendous amount of defensiveness on the other person's part. Yeah. Yeah, and then if you're, if you're saying, well, you did this, they're immediately going to become defensive, and right. you're not going to accomplish anything. Right. And Doug, exactly. you do have a hand raised. I don't know if you want to take it. Um, uh, I, I just wanted to ask a question. Just Ray Campbell, I wanted to ask a question as a member of the committee before we do that, if it's okay. Um, so what do you do in a situation, and maybe we haven't gotten there yet, where you've got two people in your group. They're, they're important people to your organization, but you can tell there's just some personality conflict between them. They clash in some way. Uh, but you really need them both. Uh, they're important parts of your organization. How do you work through something like that? Good. Let's. Can we table that uh, uh, sure. for for just a few minutes, Ray? Because um, uh, yeah, there are a couple of things on these tips that that we haven't covered yet, and I think that it starts to speak to what you were uh, what you were asking. Great. Um, and, you, and you guys are doing a great job. Thanks. <laughs> um, so we, so what we're doing with those I statements is see if we can uncover those um, assumptions or the uh, conclusions that we've drawn that were false or that were at odds, and um, see if we're you know see if there's any negotiation um, that can be made to um, to help resolve the situation. The other thing, um, so you see if you can resolve that point, and if not. There are a couple of things you can do. One is to agree to a disagree, um, and uh, that's you know that's that's one way of of dealing with it. If um, if one person has taken responsibility for a particular area and the other person um, has not, 
um, in some way, then, you know, then you can agree to disagree and, and um, have, you know, have, have the second person uh, take responsibility for another area or take responsibility for that area at a different time. And, you know, but uh, I know, I remember when I was um, the president, the president of our chapter, and there were a bunch of old folks, you know, people who have been around, veterans who had been around for a long time. And I was trying something new and somebody said, well, we've done that. You know, we did that 10 years ago and it didn't work. And, da, 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 da. and so I, you know, I, I finally, I finally said, well, I, I understand that, but can we try it again this time and see if we can get a different result and, and perhaps you can help us uh, un uncover why it didn't work the last time. Did we not promote it well enough or, you know, that kind of thing. So try to enlist their support in discovering how we can avoid the pitfalls from the past or, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's a really valid uh, way of dealing with stuff. Um, um, what was that? Um, oh yeah. The next step. So, so the other thing is uh, if it's, if it's, if it's uh, affecting the whole organization, you know, affecting the chapter or affecting the affiliate, then perhaps you may need to bring in other people and, um, you know, have an audit or, ha you know, ha have a closer look at what's going on and trying to decide whether it's in the best interest of the organization to continue with this, you know, with the same way of doing things or whether things need to be changed to accommodate everyone. Um, sometimes it's possible and sometimes it's not. But I think if you make a if you make a real effort to do so, then uh, you've done you've done your best. And, um, and, and you hopefully uh, the other side, you know, the, 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 the other side quote in the, in the conflict will, will see that and will try to make an, an, a best effort on their, their side as well. Sometimes it's not going to work, but I, I think if you've, you know, if you've tried your best, then you've done pretty much all you can. Uh, yeah, maybe there are some irreconcilable differences, um, but, um, the real art of that is, you know, trying to make sure that remembering that everybody's trying to get to the, you know, everybody has the same mission. Everybody's dedicated and committed to the cause and see if we can divide up the responsibilities so that they, they're not conflicting. So this is Jeff. Yeah. If I can insert a point. Another point that I learned from a mediator, and of course you have to be flexible because different types of personalities work in different ways but you want to try and level the playing field so that everybody or both sides however many sides there are get a reasonable chance to speak you don't want one person monopolizing the conversation because then the other person is like man I, obviously i don't count so that's really tricky to do but it's really important to do good point yes Thank yeah, you. It's, you know, and if you're having discussion, just say, okay, next for pro or next for con. And then you're not having everybody pro talking. And if there are no cons, then <laughs> there's no conversation. There's no conflict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. yeah. Um, and the last thing I have is a uh, last uh, point I have is, um, Thank the person for their service and tr and and trying to resolve the conflict. Um, that goes a long way. To, you know, I mean, 
you know, if, if you, if you walk into a meeting and say, look, I really appreciate the fact that you're even here, uh, willing to talk about this, um, that will diffuse some, you know, some, some defensiveness, some anger, you know, whatever, you know, whatever's going on, um, you know, you can uh, do it at the beginning and do it again in the end. Um, cause it's true. It does take courage to confront, you know, uh, confront conflict and try to, and try to resolve it. And Doug, this is Julie, and I have a question because I've run into this before. When I've contacted people and said, I believe there's a conflict, I'd love to chat. Well, they refuse, and they're not willing to do it on their part. So do you have ideas for what you can do at that point? I'm sorry. Say that once more. I didn't get The thing is, if you are ready to, to call someone or to connect with someone to resolve what you know is a conflict, and they're unwilling to meet with you, what steps could a person take at that point? I suppose I, I suppose one thing you could do is say I, I, I can understand that perhaps you're angry with me, mm-hmm. and I, I, I um, and I, I kind of admit that I'm pretty frustrated with you. Um, <laughs> it would, would would next week be better? There you go. <laughs> could, you know, could, day, yeah, yeah. Could, another I, time. I, I'd like yeah. you know I'd like both of us to take some time and cool down right. and maybe gather our thoughts and uh set up a call in a couple of days or you know next week or something like that but i would really like to sit down if if you're willing to do so mm-hmm. so timing. one go ahead you go I one just thing that i think a difference yeah yeah go ahead jeff one one thing that i i'm sorry that i would say in those situations is it is certainly your right not to meet with me but just so you know if you don't, this conflict may go unresolved and then set forth the potential, you know, results of that. And if the person is okay with whatever the results are that you, you know, will lay out, then you have to just move on, you mm-hmm. know. But at least you can make them aware of the box they are putting you and your organization or whoever into. And that's about all you can do. Doug, you, Doug, this is Sheila. You have ten minutes left. Thank you. So you're welcome. Um, yeah, that, I, and I, I think with what Jeff is saying is accurate. I would even put it a little slightly differently: is that not only you know will it have some ramifications for the organization, but if we don't resolve this conflict, then you know it's it's going to jump up and bite us again later on some other issue um, because we're going to have some holdover uh, emotional. Uh, stuff going on, you know, between us that is only going to get exacerbated the next time. So, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So let's open it up. Uh, other questions, clarifications, um, that kind of thing. We got five minutes. And you, then I want, you have about eight. Well, unless you need time to close. Yeah, I, I want to, I want a little bit of time. Uh, and uh, if Matt Selm is, Wait, but before people raise their hands I, to ask questions. Hey, hey, hang on. Um, Matt? <laughs> Matt, you may unmute. I am so sorry. I did. I saw you here. No, that's fine. He came in late. So so he was go- he's going to give a plug for next month's t- call. So I wanted to make sure that he was unmuted. Uh, so I'd like to take, you know, five or, you know, seven minutes to do some Q&A. And then I want to leave a little bit of time for Matt to... You know, yeah, he, to, he's here. He's here. Okay, good. 
Yeah. All right. So let's let's open it up and raise your hands if you All have right, questions. All right. If you have a question, raise your hand. Why on the PC there? And I was informed that there is no more button on a webinar, which I forgot. It's just tap the the raise hand button, and nobody is raising their hand, Doug. Huh. So they all understood what you said, and they don't have any questions. Good job. Great. <laughs> no more conflicts, right? Oh, of course. I, I, I said I said that, and Donna, <laughs> you, you may unmute. Hello, everybody. This Hi. is Donna. Hello, Doug. Hi, um, Donna. I have a really. It might sound like a stupid question, but <clears throat> can you leave us with maybe like a few simple um, suggestions on maybe even how to avoid conflict, you know, avoid it from starting. Okay. Oh, (laughs) first of all, there's no stupid questions. (laughs) Oh no. Second of all, um, if your guidelines are clear, so set your, set your boundaries, set your guidelines, um, set your goals, specific goals, so when you have some specific, if you can work through and, and get consensus around um, guidelines or goals or, uh, you know, that kind of thing, then you have a place to start. And, and uh, you know, you can say, well, you know, what is the best way to fulfill this goal or fulfill this guideline or, or that kind of thing? And then you have a basis for conversation. But hopefully, if you've got, you know, if you've got everybody on the same page to begin with, then it's just a question of ironing out the details. And um, sometimes the devil is in the details, but um, still, if, if you're clear about the direction, I think that cuts down on a lot of the uh, uncertainty and, and the uh, possible conflicts. Anybody else have any yes. quick tips on that? Oh, Sheila? no. Oh, um, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were asking Regina. Regina Marie has okay. the question, so... Well, okay. so are you saying you can minimize contact conflict but not avoid it altogether? Is that what I'm hearing? I want to make sure I'm hearing it right. That there will be some level of, I guess my question is, is there any way to avoid it altogether? Or does some conflict when you deal with human beings happen despite our best efforts? I think occasionally there's, there's bound to be a little bit of conflict. And it doesn't have to be destructive. You know, it can be constructive. Um, I, you know, I, I go, I go at something with a certain set of assumptions and conclusions. Somebody else goes at something, you know, and, and uh, people I, I really respect. Um, they, they have their own assumptions and conclusions, and um, it's, uh, it's useful to. Co- uh, once we've conversed about it, usually we can work out and negotiate something that is. Um, you know, that is fruitful for both of us. Um, but I think differences of opinion, you know, we all have opinions. So differences of opinion are inevitable. Um, hopefully we, we can work it out without it coming to the level of conflict. But um, I, I think into each life, a, a little rain must fall. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, is, mm-hmm. that, is that your experience? I guess she muted. Okay. Um, do you? Oh, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> yes, it is my experience, but I thought there was some magic solution. Sorry. Oh, gee. 
Uh, yeah, put put everybody, you know, put everybody in La La Land, you know. <laughs> Have everybody be in a in in a semi uh, semi stupor and uh, and just you know go to into La La Land and and that everything will be fine. <laughs> All right, Doug, you have one more hand, and you only have about four minutes. So Great. So we'll take the one more hand, and then we'll go to, to go to Matt. Rebecca, you may unmute. Yeah, it's me again. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'll right. get my talking out of the way tonight. Anyways, um, the lady who just asked about, um, is there any way to completely avoid conflict? I, I don't think human nature-wise there is. I've been married to my husband almost 30 years, love him to death. He loves me to death, but there are times we have conflicts, you know. It'd be nice to avoid it at all costs. I hate conflict with a passion, but, you know, there are just times that, you know, comes up. So, yep, like um, Doug said, if we lived in La La Land or, you know, in <laughs> imbibed in the you know recreational whatever whatever right. there would be no conflict but well there would be once we sober we wouldn't get much done either would we well that this is exactly true so okay i'll shut up now that you so you can finish your thing doug okay. thanks rebecca thank you rebecca all Matt, right, Mr. S- Mr. You Selm. are able to well, unmute. So first of all, before Matt goes on, I, I just appreciate your guys' willingness to participate. And uh, I'm going to revise the documents now that I have a new rung on the ladder called evaluate. But um, I will have the <laughs> I will have the the document up there again probably uh, next week sometime. And uh, if you want to you know refer to it, please you know feel free to do so. Um, I don't know. We have some open spots on our schedule of monthly calls. If you want to talk more about I statements, because again, they're not easy and uh, some practice at them might be kind of fun and useful. Um, But, um, you know, so, so uh, let me know, you know, let me know how, uh, what, what you think would be useful for you in, um, in your next level of leadership training. Okay, Matt, you are able to unmute. Doug, great job. And uh, I want to invite everyone to come back next month on the 19th, same bat time, same bat channel, and (laughs) join us as we discuss onboarding new officers and transitioning from one officer to another. So if you join us next week or not next week, good gravy, where am I? (laughs) Next, Next month. I'm really trying to hurry up this year and get it over with. That's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) You join us next month. We will uh, talk about, you know, why your board or your chapter should, should set something like this up and maybe some, some good things to think about putting down in writing and, um, you know, getting, getting everything together to make a successful handoff of the football without dropping it in the, you know, without fumbling somewhere. No, no fumbles here. <laughs> That's right. No fumbles. So. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you everybody for joining us. Thank you, Doug. It was a great job. Great presentation. So. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, and, Doug. And, and you thank had, you. You had many people in the attendee site. So. Excellent. Well, thanks Sheila for hosting and oh, Julie. Welcome. Thank you for helping out and, and Jeff. 
And Debbie, thank you for streaming us. You're welcome. Yes. Thank you for. Oh, good night, everybody. Good, good night, night, everyone. Thank you. <laughs>